Hey, it's Jeremy. And before we get into this episode, you just know we got to shout out our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. It's in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, which is sort of in between Dinkytown and Northeast. So that's pretty centrally located as far as the metro goes. I come from the southeast suburbs in Cottage Grove myself, and it's still an easy like 20 minute drive. It's not that bad at all, no matter where you're coming from in or around the metro. It's an easy place to access. They have plenty of parking. But what's big about Ninth Street is what goes on inside the doors. Soccer, pickup soccer happens pretty much every night of the week. They have regular pickup, 40-plus pickup, women's only pickup. So if you want to get your game on, you want to get your pickup soccer on, there is a night and a pickup session for you. It's very affordable as well. So if you want to check that out, NinthStreetMPLS.com is where you can do that. Or if you're not into playing soccer, but you just want to be in kind of that soccer environment with other people who love soccer as well in and around the Twin Cities, you can check out their coffee shop and bar area. This is a cool space with plenty of great coffee options, tea options. I went there the other day. I had already had a full pot of coffee in the morning, so coffee was the last thing I wanted. It was in the afternoon. I still had some work to do, so I unfortunately couldn't have any of the great beer options they have at Ninth Street. But I got this like hydrating tea that really hit the spot. So whether it's coffee you're looking for, tea you're looking for, beer you're looking for, or anything in between, Ninth Street has those refreshments for you there. And you can watch soccer. You know, now is the time of year where soccer's on pretty much every hour of the day, especially with Europa League and Champions League and, and all of that. So if you want to go watch soccer with other soccer fans, maybe get some work done during the day, finding a spot to do that in a communal environment. Ninth Street's the place for you as well. Again, 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S. Or check them out online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to Derek and the team at Ninth Street for supporting this podcast and sponsoring this episode. Let's go. What is up and welcome in. It's another episode of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing and alongside me as always here for episode 111, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing good. The, the The weather looks a little mild this morning, but uh, I, I, I am my excitement for Minnesota soccer is not mild. So I'm looking forward <laughs> Looking forward to talking about uh, all the ups and downs that kind of played out this last week. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like the uh, 70 degree days are officially behind us. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a little on the cold side this weekend, but hopefully things heat up inside Allianz Field on decision day. We will get to that in just a minute. Uh, but of course, we're presented by SodaSoccer.com, your home for soccer coverage in the north. Uh, a lot of great articles, not only on Minnesota United, but lower league and college scenes as well. So make sure you're checking us out there, SOTASoccer.com. And if you want to go to that next step and support what we do, you can also subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash SodaSoccer, which is where you can find our bonus podcast, 10K Stoppage Time. Domino Jose Bazonio and I kind of go in depth on uh, – on a topic that we weren't able to fit into the regular podcast. And this time it's all the playoff scenarios for Minnesota United. Now we'll get to this, but spoiler, they need to at least draw to get into the playoffs. Draw or win gets them in on decision day on Sunday. But I mean, there are scenarios where they could still host. 
there are scenarios where they could go to either you know in, in any number of places if they do end up on the uh, on the wrong side of the home playoff line, or obviously they could miss out on the playoffs altogether if they lose. So um, we'll kind of go through all those scenarios in depth on this week's episode of 10 K stoppage time. Cause we could, we could spend 45 minutes of the podcast going through that, but uh, there's a lot of news to get to. So we will save that for stoppage time this week. Um, also um, if you, uh, if you haven't followed us on the socials, please do that. We're pretty active on Twitter at soda S O C. All right, let's get into a Dom starting with Minnesota United as always. Of course, now you know a really disappointing flat 2-0 loss to San Jose on Saturday. Uh this a uh, 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 draw it turns out could have would have clinched uh a playoff spot. But now you you come up pointless again. Only one point in your last six matches, and you've now put yourself in a position where you do need to get a result on decision day to get yourself in the playoffs, which is wild to think about where this team was just four weeks ago. Um, and this is with largely your 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 prime starting eleven. So you cannot blame this on injuries. You cannot blame this on omissions. You had Luis Maria, you had Emmanuel Reynoso, you had Franco Fracapane. No, you didn't have Robin Ludd, but you did have Trapp and Ariaga in the midfield, which has proven to be in the past serviceable. You could argue that that's not the case currently, and I would probably agree with that. Um, and then along the back line, you had Lawrence, Boxall, Coleman, and Taylor. I mean, that's, at this point, your first option starting 11. And um, it's Shea Salinas scoring the opener in the 52nd. Kikinovich scoring the follow-up goal in the 71st. Uh, Loons, only two shots on target the entire match. San Jose firing 18 shots uh, themselves. If you were to pull somebody in without any context of MLS and no knowledge of where San Jose or Minnesota are in the standings, Dom, and you ask them, hey, which one of these teams is fighting for a playoff spot and which one has nothing to play for, I think they probably would have guessed based on the performances that San Jose was the one who had something to play for and the Loons were the ones who did. Probably, yeah. Um, I mean – Hell, I knew what was going on. It still kind of felt that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. yeah uh, really, man, uh, a, a really disappointing sort of night of of soccer, unfortunately, sort of in and around this um, Minnesota United team. Um, you know, we, we talked uh, last episode. I, I think we were even kind of talking about this game too two, three episodes ago as one of those games that amidst all the chaos of this end of the year run and all that, you have to win this game. This is the game that you have to get kind of make sure that the drama doesn't affect making the playoffs and all that sort of stuff. This is the game. It's very winnable on paper. You're playing one of the worst teams in the league. Um, You got to get over the line on this one. And uh, the Loons just literally didn't do it at all. Uh, they, they were never particularly the dominant side in the game. They had some you know, periods of possession, periods of, where, where shots were going off. The shots were rarely of much note. Uh, that possession was rarely of much note. And then they get held to half, 0-0. And, and then the second half, San Jose just looked way more interested in getting something out of this game. Um 
I know that uh, there was a lot of talk on the, on the night from the, I, I guess it would have been the local media, local broadcasters about it being like Salinas's last home game uh, and, and all that, you know, so there, there were some like emotions coming into it from, from the earthquakes unique to their situation, despite their table position. But I mean, not, none of that is an excuse. None of that is, an, uh, is a reasonable reason to let a team that has done as poorly as San Jose this season um, be perhaps the biggest uh, uh, obstacle to Minnesota United getting into the playoffs. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to, to not get a goal. It's disappointing to let two in against a team that, that shouldn't be that dangerous against a, a, a good defense. Um, like, like you noted, we really did have pretty much everybody we would have been playing in this game. Uh, with the uh, I, probably the biggest absence, obvious one, just being uh, Debassi. Otherwise, it's pretty much the front line we would have been playing any other time in the year. Yeah. It's pretty much the back line post uh, Dotson injury and post Metinere injury that we would have been playing the most most of the season. It's the midfield that we're supposed to be playing all year. Um, this isn't this isn't you know uh, what I think that RSL game. A couple of weeks back, we had a pretty, pretty second string eleven in a lot of people's opinion. This isn't that. This is pretty no. much all the guys that are supposed to be playing, and they're playing one of the yep. worst teams in the league, and they couldn't get it done. Um, it's that's a really uh, that's a really rough result to, to to process, I think, really. And unfortunately, then you have more layers of of drama added by, you know. The, the comments that come after the game from different parties. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it just, it puts the team, I think it puts the fan base, I think it puts people like people in our position in a really uh, awkward place going into this last, this last weekend against Vancouver. This, and uh, I, I don't quite understand why, but this was almost like a, a, a tentative tight performance from Minnesota. And I guess I could see that if a loss meant you dropped out, like if if you if a loss like like a, a win and they're in, in this in this particular match, still talking right. about San Jose, a loss doesn't doesn't drop them out of the picture, doesn't doesn't unclinch, doesn't end their season. So uh, there was a moment in the match. It was either late in the first half or early in the second. Ray gets the ball just at the top of the eighteen, and you expect him to just to to, to fire it. That's his that's his spot. It's on his foot. He's he's right there. But then he he passes it off. He gives up a great shot for a worse opportunity and they don't I don't think even get a shot in that possession. And it's just it's just head scratching. Like it's I don't know if this team is in its own head right now or or what is going on, but this is this is far from the team that we saw in uh in july august even the early portion of september it's a far cry from a performance standpoint from an intentionality and urgency standpoint from a quality standpoint it's just none of those pieces are 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 fitting together and everything's actually falling apart uh right now and there's no cohesion there's no there's no gelling along the front it's just it's it's not a great brand of soccer to watch right now yeah 
And I don't know if I want to see this team go to the playoffs and get bounced 3-0 to Portland or L.A. or Austin or whoever they're going to play. Because I said it last week, if you can't go into San Jose and get a win in this scenario, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. Not only did they lose, they they were out everything in this game. Outshot, out pass completed, out set pieced, out cornered, out everything. They were the worst team in a game where you're playing the San Jose Earthquakes. If you're the worst team in a game in which you're playing the San Jose Earthquakes, what the hell do you think is going to happen when you play Austin, Nashville, Galaxy, Portland, RSL, whoever it is? Right. It's just, yeah, Yeah. it's wild. And um, I don't know. Now you had a decision day needing a result. You need a draw, at least. Uh, I don't think you should play for the draw. I think you should play to beat this team 3-0 and make a statement that, Hey, maybe we are the team that was, you know, going on this amazing run in the summer. Maybe you make that statement or maybe you draw nil nil and then you go to the playoffs without much confidence, or maybe you lose and then you don't get in the playoffs. Cause that's the scenario. We'll get into the specific potential matchups, but the scenario is this, you need a draw to get in a win. You still have a shot at fourth, which is crazy to think about that this team could still host a playoff match after all this. And if you lose, you're done. There's no scenario in which you lose that you could still get in. There's no scenario in which you draw or win that you could remain out. Right. And we'll get into why, because a lot of people are probably scratching their heads saying, oh, goal differential, whatever. We'll get into that on stoppage time. So if you want some clar- clarification on why all that is, uh, listen to 10K stoppage time when we're done here. Uh, but this team not only needs to do the necessary work to get in the playoffs on Sunday, they need to show us something more, far more than, than what they have been over this last month for there to be any confidence whatsoever that if they do qualify, that they'll actually be able to freaking do something once they get there. Yeah. I think for me, you know, the, the, the side concern that concerns me in regards to what's going to happen against Vancouver, concerns me in regards to what happens uh, if this team does make the playoffs and, and then obviously has to play one of those games or two of those games. Um, what concerns me, even outside of all that, if, if, say, the season ends against Vancouver going into next year, is I'm not sure who in this team is putting themselves in the position to take account or to be accountable rather for what happens uh on the pitch uh we have a lot of other stuff to talk about today but you know when you when you and, and you already talked about this in postlands but when you looked at obviously how the team's performing on the pitch you look at how adrian heath is talking about how the team is performing on the pitch you look at you know, I mean, there, there there have been comments and situations all season that I think have raised interesting, uh, you know, exclamation points over people's heads. But they, they often have been washed away by the positive runs of form this team has gone on. But the things I'm talking about go all the way back to what that loss to Union Omaha, where uh, I think it was that game that Michael Boxel was 
asking why players weren't um, in the 18 on the day that were available. There, there have been these sort of question marks about who is, you know, who, who is accountable for what this team does. And you see after this loss, you see, uh, I think in a lot of people's opinion, Adrian Heath pushed that arrow uh, away from, from him. And so when you see this team in a stressful position, a uh, lot on the line, one more game, end of the season, obviously, with another one coming soon next year. Um, I, I think that I'm a little concerned about, really regardless of what, what happens in the playoffs, just like what is this mentally, who is this team being built around? Who is leading this team? Who is motivating this team? Who Who is in charge of making sure that performances like the San Jose performance don't happen? Because... I'm not sure I've heard anyone claim that they are in charge of it. I think I've just heard a lot of people say they're not. Um, and and that, that leaves me confused and concerned about how this team is expected to improve. Because you cannot improve in these sorts of matters if no one is pushing you forward in, on that matter. Um, I hope that someone kind of answers my question this weekend against Vancouver, but I, I don't think anyone has yet this season. So um, that that's kind of my big concern, even outside of what happens to this team uh, for the rest of this year in the playoffs. It, it's just who who is the leadership on the game day for this team and who is holding themselves accountable as sort of the source of whether or not things go right or wrong. Because even though obviously it's a team sport, in team sports, the, the fact is that you always need a guy, a couple guys, a couple women, uh, who can be the ones that kind of take the weight, so to say, who kind of take the the hits or, or, you know, I guess the old verbiage would be putting the team on their back or whatever, that sort of thing. You need... Uh, you need those figures. I don't know if this team has any. They certainly have people that could be that from from the history of the of the people in the team. There's people who I, I I believe have the character to be that, but I'm not sure anyone is being that. And so now, when you see this horrible run of form this team is on, and you see some of the performances they're putting up, it all to me sort of starts to uh, the questions start to answer themselves about why the team isn't showing up, why the team isn't performing. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure who is motivating them to do otherwise. It's so here's the, here's the quote from Heath that uh, I think a lot of people are talking about. Uh, he was asked, you know, how the team could have, this, this is kind of harking back to what we were talking about earlier. How could this team have such a lack of energy uh, in such an important match? And he said, quote, I wish I knew. Maybe it's the makeup of some of the people we've got. Maybe we have to look at that, end quote. That's not exactly taking accountability, taking responsibility yourself for the product on the pitch. And I ultimately think that's part of a manager's job. Yes, there's there needs to be leaders on the pitch. You know, Michael Boxall is seen as one of those on this team. Will Trapp may be also seen as one of those on this team. Um, obviously, they're the two that will get the captain's armband, depending on who's in. Um, but 
I also think that's part of the coach's job description too, to bear the brunt of that criticism and say, look, I, the obviously the game plan that we put together tonight wasn't good enough. Or right. I, I didn't get, do a good enough job getting these guys up and ready for this match. Like at some point, like you, you have to sort of, it's not a good look to throw your players under the bus. Even, even if they had the perfect game plan, the perfect motivation, the perfect thing, everything up until the match, and it was the players who just went out and wrists were completely flat for no reason. Even if all of that was true, I think as the coach, you're responsible for saying, you know what, this is on me. Yeah. At some level. I'm not saying you got to go out and do that every single loss. But at some point you have to you have to you have to be that that first line of defense, so to speak. Um and sort of take that take that responsibility pressure off of your players. Yeah. When it comes to who's uh who's taking responsibility and taking accountability. But you're also right, Dom, like you don't really hear that much from the players either. Sure. I've heard it from Boxy every now and then. We have to be better. Usually, is is the line, you know, sort of the 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 collective. Uh, but you don't see, and and I actually think one player who actually does a great job is probably the one player who doesn't need to be saying this um, as much as Dane St. Clair, right? You know, in the in the games where they have given up three goals or more. He's usually the one that puts his hand up and says, you know what? I have to be better. I have to look myself in the mirror. But when he's the one that's performing the best and mm-hmm. the most consistent and is arguably your best player on the pitch, it that needs to come from somewhere else. Right. And I, I think you, you mentioned something that's a good point. And just to add on to what we both been saying, let's say that on this day, in this game and in many other games, let's say that um Michael Boxel or Will Trapp failed to to play up to the leadership roles that they were uh, assigned to have on the day. Let's say that happened. I because I'm not in the locker room and all that, it's hard for me to know exactly whether or not that that happened or not, but let's say that happened. If that happens, that is precisely the situation, the reason why you have the manager on the sideline is so that you can have the actual leader of the team always accessible, regardless of whether or not your leaders on the pitch are living up to their minute-to-minute responsibilities. And and so let's say that some players didn't quite get up to where um, Keith would have liked them to be. Well, then that's that's why he's there. So he can address that. That's why halftime is there. So he can address that. when you have a team that includes guys like Sinclair, who's, you know, practically a kid, when you have guys like Ariaga who are new to this league, Taylor, who's not new to this league, but isn't necessarily an MLS vet. When you have all these sorts of guys in this team, you can't assume all those guys to be the ones that step up Boxel and Trap aren't doing it. That's a ridiculous expectation to, to call him in a guy who probably barely expected to play this year or, 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 you know, a guy like Amaria who's been bouncing between MLS and other leagues on and off the last couple of years, hasn't had a steady home. You, you can't expect those to be the guys that are ready to lock in on, on the edge of the MLS playoffs. It, you are the one in charge. So at a certain point, 
there's probably some blame that goes to people like Boxel and Trap, but then the reaction from that isn't to then just talk about how bad of a job they're doing <laughs> in a press yeah. conference. It's it's to fix it when you're there because that's why you're there. So yeah, it it just it's this isn't even me trying to make it all about like Heath is the only problem here. I think they're all being the problem, but it doesn't help the problem at all to just be like, hey, yeah, there's definitely a problem. Look at those guys when you're the one in charge of those guys. Correct. So uh, I, it, it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, that, that night would have already been really rough because of what the result. But to have it end, have it crescendo with that being sort of the final word from the guy in charge of the team, it's a, it's a really rough look. And, and frankly, it's a very poorly thought out decision by him, just at like the professional level, in my opinion. Um, I don't know how that helps those guys feel more motivated for the Vancouver game. So, yeah, the, to my original point, all of this is just the thing that arguably concerns me most, more than whether or not San Jose scored goals, whether or not we didn't. It's that I'm not even really sure who's in charge of getting us out of this rut anymore. And if no one's in charge, uh, then I don't think we're getting out of the rut. So that, that that's that's my big red flag. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. And that's where we will leave it. Decision day on Sunday, 4 p.m. kickoff at Allianz Field. It's Minnesota. It's Vancouver. Uh, Van- the winner it gets in. Full stop. Vancouver is two points behind Minnesota in the standings. They win. They leapfrog Minnesota. They're in. Minnesota wins. They they clinch their spot. A draw, Minnesota gets in. Vancouver doesn't. So. Um, that's the situation. Obviously, post loons will be live after the match, whether it's a season post-mortem or a playoff preview. We will be there either way to break down the action on post loons, probably about 7 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. All right, let's get into some college soccer talk now. Gophers, rough week for the U. Losses, 1-0 to Michigan, 2-1 to Wisconsin. Uh, they concede a 65th minute winner against the Wolverines. Megan Plashko saves six of the seven shots she faced, but just not enough offense uh, from the Gophers in this one. And then against Wisconsin, Amelia Brown opened the scoring at the 50th minute mark, her first career goal. But 
it's those last 15 minutes or so that once again bit the Gophers against a ranked team. 82nd and 87th minute goals from the Badgers. Lock in a 2-1 win. In this match, Minnesota outshot Wisconsin 12-3, but fall 2-1 on the scoreline. That that will take the wind out of your sails. It's bad enough to be 1-4 in the conference, but to lose in that fashion against a rival in which you really dominated most of the match but just let it slip away at the end, uh, that, that's got to be a tough one to swallow. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, that's... It's a tough week. I mean, I mean, even just just in general, to lose two two big games by like a goal, just in general, is obviously a, a sort of a tough hill to get over. But um, to to be in control, particularly in that Wisconsin game, for for a significant portion of the of the match, twelve to three shot. I mean, that's 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 an incredibly favorable <laughs> shot ratio, and 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 to just have those last ten minutes, fifteen minutes, uh, as we've talked before, kind of be what what fails you that's uh, it's really rough uh yeah I, I think it's 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 what it's two things on the one hand this group is clearly really talented clearly getting um some good performances out of a lot of players even in the in the losses obviously uh Plachko keeps coming up as 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 a player who's impressing uh you got folks getting goals on some of these matches Th- this group has talent some players are performing well full 90 some not full 90, but are performing well in periods of the games. And all of that's positive and all that's probably stuff that this group is taking as motivation. But of course, this is D1 soccer and they know that. And and, and so that's probably uh, making it harder to enjoy those those silver linings uh, because at the end of the day at this level, you're expected to to get up there and, and perform and get results. So uh, yeah, that, that Wisconsin result particularly is really a sort of heartbreaking the nature in which they, they lost it. But uh, I guess you have to hope that these uh, series of results that they've sort of had to navigate recently somehow, you know, can turn into into motivation to fuel. Uh, and, and that at the very least, I think probably the big positive is for at least many of these games that they're dropping points, the issue is relatively clear, like like you've pointed out. It's kind of that last leg of the game defensively. What are we looking like? Um, I suppose from a coaching perspective, that's probably good to have an area to, to narrow to zero in on narrow. In, I don't know what the term is uh, to, to zoom in on and, and, and focus on in terms of where the problems are. Uh, obviously the question just being whether or not they can, they can find those answers, but um, yeah, tough, tough one of results. Yeah, this is, you know, it should be said, this is a very, very tough Big Ten conference, too. There's a yeah. lot of really good teams, handful of ranked teams in the conference. And uh, it doesn't get any easier as you host Iowa on the ninth. So that's on Sunday. Uh, a chance to rediscover your form and uh, maybe uh, get back on the right track for Aaron Chastain's Gopher side. Um, St. Thomas women, though, are continuing a, a good run here. They beat NDSU in a wild 3-2 to road comeback win. Uh, it was Mariah Wynn. Jasmine Gates and Anika Ekroth uh, getting on the score sheet for the Tommies. And it's their first comeback win on the road in their D1, in the D1 era, basically, for Tommy women's soccer. So that's a big one. Uh, and then they wrap up the Dakota road trip with a 1-0 loss to the University of North Dakota. Only their first loss in conference play, though. They stand 2-1-1 in the Summit League right now. And obviously, even though you're just coming off a 1-0 road loss, I think all in all, you have to be really, really happy with this start to conference play. Um, as you kind of get into that now, that thick of the Summit League season, um, 
you put yourself in a position to sort of be that mid to upper table team that you were selected to be, you know, in the, in the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're at the very least they are, they're living up to, to that expectation. They're answering it with performances more often than not, they're getting goals, uh, getting good individual performances, good team performances. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot to be happy about with, with what uh, St. Thomas women are, are, are bringing this year. I think uh, clearly a group that, uh, have every intention of building off of last season. We, we talked, I think, last episode about how, how they had already improved their overall record from last year. Um, and, and that's great to see. Uh, you're seeing a lot of players kind of stand up and put themselves in positions to help make that happen. Uh, obviously, that 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 North Dakota game doesn't quite work out. You get you get one no loss, but more often than not, this season they're they're looking uh, a strong group that that can perform on their day and 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 get some goals and play entertaining soccer. So. Uh, again, for a program in their position, their their newness to where they are in, in the in the landscape and all that, uh, I think that's that's more than you could probably even ask for. So, uh, very very encouraging signs out of St. Thomas. On the men's side, uh, their game against Oral Roberts was uh, supposed to be played on October first. It was postponed as the uh, Oral Roberts University community is mourning the death of their senior captain Eugene Quaynor. Um, he was killed Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday night, uh, when his car was struck from behind at a, at a stoplight in South Tulsa. Uh, yeah, the, the Ghana native and or Roberts graduate played in 51 of the team's last 53 games over the last four seasons. Um, that's, uh, extremely sad, um, situation there with Oral Roberts. You're, you're, you know, a, a senior, a graduate, a captain. I mean, it, it'd be sad if any, if any student went through this, but, um, obviously that that community is is um, you know dealing with it right now and um, the game has been postponed uh, for St. Thomas and obviously I mean our our hearts and all of our thoughts and and uh, well wishes go out to the the Oral Roberts community and obviously um, uh, Quaynor's family as well um, can only imagine what they're going through right now so um, just a, a tragic happening down there Um and uh, uh, we're sending all the best to everyone, um, and we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on when we get uh, potentially a new date uh, for that game. But that's obviously uh, irrelevant at, at this juncture uh, for the ORU community. Um, back to the soccer, though, in D two Saint Cloud men, they do get their first GLIAC win of the season. It had been rough, rough sledding for them, um, but they do beat up Upper Iowa two nil. It's uh, Reese Ward and Miguel Conde Guo getting on the board for St. Cloud. So it's good to see them get off the schneid there. And then on the women's side of the NSIC, Mankato remain undefeated and top of the table, 6-0-2 their record. Uh, Minot State grabbed two wins to go second on the table. And then Augustana and Concordia St. Paul both close behind, tied for third with five, two, and one records. Um, and the Mayak on the men's side, Gustavus remained top of the table with a game in hand after the uh, St. Olaf loss to Carleton College. And then on the women's side, Carleton remained top and undefeated while St. Benedict are close behind in second. And then finally in the UMAC, on the men's side, Bethany Lutheran, Northland, and UW Superior all tied for top with 13 points, but Superior do have a game in hand. And then on the women's side, it is UW Superior pulling ahead with a six-point margin over Bethany Lutheran as well. So a lot of uh, competitive races, both on D2, and D3 on the men's and women's sides as we kind of get down to the thick of everything. 
yeah, a lot, lot going on. Uh, uh, congrats to, to the St. Cloud boys, or, or men rather, for, for obviously, yeah, getting over that hump and getting that first win in the season, our first Gliak win in the season. Uh, they've had a fairly tough stretch, so I, I'm sure that they uh, appreciate uh, appreciate getting that result and clean sheet win. I, I'm sure yeah. is extra fun. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, NSIC and Mankato continuing to, to look like the side. Got some interesting results coming in from, from a lot of other teams that weren't necessarily expected to be right behind them. Uh, and uh, in the UMAC, in the men's UMAC, a really interesting little little race developing there. And uh, obviously UWS a little bit still in the driver's seat. But, uh, you know, last year we saw Bethany Lutheran uh, win the uh, initial uh, conference title jointly with UWS. And, and, and so we're, maybe we'll see a, a similar sort of sort of year of, of contention. Uh, that'll be really fun. So. Uh, yeah, lot, lot of, lot of entertaining college soccer going on. As I always say, if you're listening, you live near one of these colleges. Maybe you went to one of them, and you like watching soccer, and you haven't been going to any of these teams' games. You should consider checking it out because I, I promise you, you will be entertained. Uh, and then you get to actually watch soccer live instead of just staring at TV. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I suggest you check it out because there's a lot, of, a lot of great from D1 to D3. A lot of great soccer being played in Minnesota right now. Now, that brings us to our top four. Top four uh, stories that, you know, maybe weren't, weren't able to get to in the regular run of the show, but are, are uh, you know, definitely worth noting. Um, they don't always have to be Minnesota soccer related. Actually, a lot of times they aren't. And usually I talk about Everton. I'm not going to talk about Everton and their 2-1 win over Southampton and the fact that they're currently sitting 11th in the, in the Premier League right now. I'm not going to talk about that at all. Um, I'm not going to talk about how, uh, you know, uh, relieving it is to have this little buffer at this point in time. I'm also not going to talk about the fact that I, I didn't think last week when we talked about them, that I didn't even think they were playing this past weekend. I'm not gonna, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that at all. So um, there's that. I will kick off my top four, though, with Minneapolis' own Mikweli Akale, as he is up for South Georgia Tormenta's Player of the Month for September. Scored his first USL League One goal against FC Tucson on the 16th. And has uh, just been a consistent attacking threat since he signed. He, obviously, it's his only time getting on the score sheet. But if you just look at the highlights and, and you look at what Tormenta is doing, uh, Mugwele is a, a huge part of what they want to do in the attack. And he does an excellent job setting other guys up. And um, they have a lot of really good threats from a goal-scoring perspective. And Akali is sort of that that glue that's that's holding all of them together and making sure that they're getting those balls balls in those uh, goal scoring positions so um definitely worthy of that uh of that honor and it's his first month with the club and he's up for player of the month so that's a that's a couldn't ask for a better start i don't think at this point if you're a colleague no no i mean uh one one tormenta seemed to have made a good call signing him and two he seemed to have made a good call signing with tormenta because uh both both sides of that equation have, have really uh uh, hit the ground running and, and uh, yeah. looked like a, a, a real team to consider for, for the rest of the season going to the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, really, really cool. Again, we, we talked about this a couple times, but really cool to see, um, a, you know, a player in a tough position, figure it out, navigate his way back onto a competitive team and, and get back in it. That's uh, just just not easy to do. So, uh, yeah, again, a huge, huge shout out to him. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I'll, my first one, I'll do a, a quick, um, Minnesota player shout out, uh, to, uh, a, a guy I've 
believe it or not, mentioned on the show before. But uh, uh, Kapa, too, uh, his team in, in Thailand uh, won their um, opening stage uh, domestic cup game the other day. Uh, I'm blanking on the team they beat, but uh, beat them, I think, 2-1. Uh, so uh, uh, hopefully, you know, that uh, a little run in the cup can, can help him and his club kind of uh, maybe maybe play some some higher division teams and all that. That's exciting for him. Their season's going pretty well. Uh, so just a shout out to him. I believe he started that game as well. Uh, don't quite remember, but uh, shout out to, to him doing continuing to do well in, uh, in Thailand. My second top four uh, is uh, another former, not a former Minnesota soccer player, not a Minnesota native, but a name uh, a lot of Northland soccer fans probably recognize. Noah Fusan, former forward Madison standout, scored for Columbus Crew 2 in their 4-3 to three MLS Next Pro Playoff win. Actually, their Eastern Conference Championship win over Toronto FC 2. And now he and St. Paul's own Michael Vang now advance with Columbus Crew 2 to play St. Louis City 2. And Saturday's MLS Next Pro Cup Final, which kicks off at 12.30 p.m. I believe that's going to be on MLSNextPro.com. Um, so, I mean, just the, the Fusans obviously had a great season with Crew 2, um, scoring obviously in this, in this vital, vital match uh, to secure an Eastern Conference title. And now uh, he has a chance to go on an even bigger stage in the Cup Final. Um, you have to, you have to imagine teams are, you know, even if it's not the crew that are looking at him internally, I'm sure they are, but you also have to think other, other MLS clubs and, and, uh, are, are taking a look at MLS next pro, not only the, within their own organizations, but other organizations that for potential talent. And if you need an attacker, uh, Noah Fusan, I think has put himself on the short list for, for a call up options because he has just had an incredible run this season with crew too. Absolutely. And, and that, that game was, I think that game in regulation ended 2-2. Uh, yep. And so there was a wild uh, added extra time period of, uh, what, three goals. Um, yeah, so con- congrats to both those guys on, on uh, I, I, I imagine, as far as I would be aware, one of sort of the best, big, one of the first big uh, sort of pieces of silverware that they, they have in their respective careers and, and obviously a chance now to to step that up another level and, and maybe win the, the lead in its debut year, which would be great for them. But uh, yeah, really, really uh, eventful game. I caught some of the highlights and stuff of the game, particularly when I saw how, how it played out goal wise and um, seemed like a, a very fun atmosphere at the, at the Columbus stadium. Uh, you know, obviously a, a relatively small amount of people at the game compared to say an MLS game, but like the crowd seemed really into it and it seemed to be a fun time. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, my my last one is a little different, but it's it, it's going to be like a real quick um, appreciation. I was going to say post. This is I'm speaking, so it's not a post. Uh, uh, appreciation <laughs> message. I don't know if you know this, but I'm speaking. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a, it's an appreciate appreciation post to actually a lot of folks at sort of soccer, and also a lot of other other folks out there. Uh, who two groups, one people that have been in the position that, that I'm about to talk about that I've been in and two of the folks that have helped me uh, with that. And, and I'll, I'll explain. Uh, so I recently got, uh, unfortunately, this is also why you've seen a little less of me and writing for the site. Hopefully that improves soon. But recently I got a full-time job at a newspaper and um, I, I, I've been really enjoying that opportunity. And 
I wanted to, to say that, you know, I've been doing this uh, a long time. I've been writing about and talking about and taking people's time uh, about soccer for, for a while now. It feels like a long time. Um, I'm sure to people older than me, it feels it maybe less so, but for, for someone in my age, it feels like a long time. <laughs> and um, it's, I, I started with, I, I volunteered for Duluth FC, then E Pluribus Lunum uh uh was interested wrote for them then protagonist soccer a bunch of other sites that were were not so u.s focused did other stuff there been doing this a long time this job uh i think i started i want to say 2017 this job is the first time i've had a full-time paying sports related writing job love it so two things from that one I want to use that as an opportunity to remind people who are maybe around my age who are kind of or younger who are you know, trying to figure things out in this space that, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you got to really wait. But uh, I, I do I do want I do want those folks to have someone they actually know, not like some YouTube video that's reminding them that sometimes that waiting does pay off. So there, there are often opportunities at the end of the tunnel. Not, that doesn't always work out for everybody, but that is a possibility. That is a thing that does happen. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, all the only people interested in my writing were, you know, blogs and stuff that that don't pay or anything like that um and and i'm glad that i've been able to grow to where i'm at uh, the other thing i want to say is a, a shout out to jeremy a shout out to soda soccer because um a, a year ago I, I many people hopefully know that i also work with this this other thing called footway english and about a year ago or a year and a half ago i kind of got into a point where I had basically decided to stop writing articles. I was, I decided I was just going to do foot English Twitter stuff at, at some point. Um, the 10 K podcast kind of added to that list. I was kind of done with the articles. I didn't feel like it was going anywhere. And then Jeremy had this crazy idea to start a website. And, uh, it's really the only thing that got me back to semi-regular writing articles. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have even, taken the time to think about applying for, for the various job listings that ended up with me at this job. Uh, so I, I want to say thank you to you for um, uh, re-aggravating my obsession with writing about soccer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Happy um, to do it. And, and, I, and I, I, I do want to, like, I want to do a shout out to all the folks who are doing what I've been doing for a long time, which is they're doing this and no one was and, and thankfully soda soccer does does pay but before soda soccer you're not getting paid um you're getting you're getting paid in followers on twitter that's about as much as you're getting paid yeah. and uh you know that grind is not fun it was it, and for a lot of different reasons it was not enough not fun that you know a couple different times i kind of thought about stopping uh but it it can help you it helped me. So I just want to do a shout to everybody that's kind of trying to, to figure that out. I don't think I've actually figured it out yet, but I've gotten certainly a very good chapter of that, of that book read through. And I, I'm glad where I'm at now. So I, I, I just, it, that was a very broad uh, monologue, but I, I want to, I want to thank Jeremy and Soda Soccer for, for keeping me in it. Uh, this is not an announcement of me leaving, by the way. I'm still part of South Soccer. But, uh, uh, <laughs> so if you were waiting for the goodbye at yeah, the end. It sounds sorry. like a goodbye message, but it's not. But I want to I I thank the group 
particularly you, but obviously all the guys who are part of it for helping make sure that that fire stayed lit uh, to help make this other opportunity more possible. And I also want to just encourage folks, two things. One, to, to, to try and keep your fire lit on, on this passion, but two, that breaks are okay too. Both, both can be okay. Sometimes you do need a break. I think I did need the break that I took. But then when those opportunities do show up, like if you still have the passion for it, follow through with that. It's worth it. Even if, you know, whether it's something like soda soccer or something bigger or smaller, whatever it is, if, if you have the passion for it, keep up with it. Because I'm really glad that I uh, got to be a part of this, continue to be a part of, of this, meaning soda soccer. And I'm, I'm really glad that it's helped keep doors open for, for other things for me. So all that to say, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you to all the folks that have, that have helped make all that possible and, and kept me active. Well, thank you, Dom. Because uh, your work for Soda Soccer has been awesome. Like uh, I, I try to plug the website every single week, but if you haven't been to the website, go do it. And if you're interested in, in like community and lower league soccer specifically, um, check out Dom's work on the website because it is it is some of the best feature writing that that you're not going to see anywhere else. Um, that kind of exemplifies what I wanted Soda Soccer to be. Yes, Minnesota United coverage is there. And yes, there is a lot of that to go around, but also making sure that we're providing that community soccer coverage, that lower league coverage that you might not be able to get anywhere else. And Dom, you've been the you've been the one spearheading those efforts, and you've been awesome. And uh, it means a lot to know that you know I may have played some part in you getting a full time writing job. Not that I'm going to take credit or anything, <laughs> not at all. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's been uh, it's been cool to watch your growth and uh, super super pumped for you with your new opportunity. So um, and super pumped for you to still still be aboard Soda Soccer as well. Um, I kind of thought when you initially got the job that I was like, oh no, the the good advice coming. <laughs> he's gonna tell me next that he's that he can't do can't do this anymore. But uh, I think I think we've done a good job kind of managing everything and uh, you know open line of communication and all that. So. Yeah. Um, thank you for your work, and uh, no, we I appreciate the uh, the compliment yeah. there. But, anyways, that will do it. Little uh, feel good moment to end this week's episode of 10K. So, uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for subscribing, rating, reviewing, following, just listening. It, it, it means the world. Um, huge thanks to our sponsors, Night Street Soccer and Coffee, Pence Homes, and Stimulus Athletic. Go check out those guys as well. Uh, support the people who support us. And speaking of support, if you go to patreon.com soda soccer right now, slash soda soccer right now, you will hear this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time, in which Dominic and I kind of outline all the playoff scenarios for Minnesota United heading into decision day. So if you want to support us, do that um, and check out that bonus content. And we will catch you next week for another, another episode of 10K, which we will either be mourning the Minnesota United season or previewing some playoff action. Either way, we will be here. We hope you will be too. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.